Thank you for listening to Elohim Christian Church's podcast. We're a place where imperfect people worship and meet a perfect God. If this is your first time listening, we're located in Richmond Hill in Queens, New York City, and are led by pastors Carlos and Rebecca Medina. If you're looking for a place to worship and to know Jesus, we would love to meet you and see you in person. Find us online at www.elohimchurch.org so we can connect. And now, here's this week's message. Amen. So let's get ready to enter into the Word. Would you join me by opening up your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3? Exodus chapter 3. You may stay seated. Exodus chapter 3. So this is a word that always encourages me. I hope that it encourages you this morning. Uh, it is a, a story that I love that speaks to my heart every single time. And it is the burning bush story where God speaks to Moses and calls Moses uh, into a new life of serving him and his people. And I've entitled this teaching, When God Calls You for More. When God Calls You for More. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. We read God's word. Exodus chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Orb, the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perserites, the Hivites, the Jezebites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now... Go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I'll be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your father has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word, Lord God, for it is 
It is light for us. It's a compass for us. In, in, in your word, we put our trust. Today, Lord, as you have stirred up in my heart, as you have spoken to me once again through uh, this teaching and this sermon, Lord, I pray that you would speak again to your people this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When God calls us for more, if you can pass me that, when God calls us for more, So we know the story of, of, of Moses. Many of us know the story of Moses. Moses' birth was a miraculous birth. At his time of birth, there was a great attack upon the Hebrew boys, and, um, and the Pharaoh of the time wanted to throw the Hebrew boys into, uh, into the Nile to kill them because the Hebrew people in captivity for 400 years had increased, and, and they were increasing. And, and for that reason, the Pharaoh of the time said, you know what, we need to stop these Hebrew people from increasing so much. They are our slaves. They've been in uh, captivity for 400 years, and we're afraid that they'll increase so much that they'll overpower us, the Egyptians. So trying to control the increase of the Hebrew people, he sent out a, a, a verdict to kill uh, every boy that is born from a Hebrew woman. So Moses is born in that time, and miraculously, the Lord saves his life, putting in, the, his, in Moses' mom's heart to hide him for three months, and then eventually she puts him in a basket, sends him down the Nile, and he lands in the hands of the daughter of the Pharaoh. And she sees him and she says, wow, this must be one of the Hebrew boys. But she loved him. She adopted him. She took him in as hers. And God, grace, uh, uh, Moses' mom becomes his caretaker. Uh, she finds a Hebrew woman to nurse him and care for him. And Moses' mom becomes his caretaker. And for 40 years, Moses lives under the protection of the Pharaoh as an adopted son of the Pharaoh, uh, learns the culture of Egypt, learns the language of Egypt, the leadership style of Egypt. And for 40 years, Moses is an adopted son of Pharaoh living in the palace. At 40 years old, the Bible says that something stirred in the heart of Moses. It says in Hebrews, something stirred in the heart of Moses. He began to grow a passion for his people. And one day he sees an Egyptian uh, hurting a Hebrew slave. And the Bible says that he kills the Egyptian and buries him. And the word got out that he did this. Why did this happen? Because something began to stir in the heart of Moses for his own people. What happens, though? Pharaoh hears of it, and Pharaoh wants to kill Moses. Though he's an adopted son, wants to kill him and says, no, you know what? We need to get rid of Moses. Moses runs for his life, and he finds himself in the desert in Midian for 40 years. During those 40 years, he marries, he has children, He's uh, under the submissions uh, of his father-in-law, Jethro. His father-in-law, Jethro, is a shepherd, is a, cares for sheep. So now Moses becomes no longer a son of Pharaoh, an adopted son of Pharaoh, no longer in the palace, no longer uh, in Egypt, no longer under that influence, but now he is a shepherd boy. Now he's caring for his father-in-law's sheep. So now he's 80 years old. He's 80 years old, and the Lord speaks to him from the burning bush and tells him, Moses, I'm calling you for more. I'm calling you for more. I'm calling you for the next. Uh, and, and I imagine Moses was thinking, I'm 80 years old now. What are you calling me for here? You know, who am I that you would send me to Egypt? 
I no longer have the influence I had at 40 years old. If you would have called me when I was 40, I was strong enough where I could kill an Egyptian. I, I had the influence of, of, of Egypt. I had the influence of Pharaoh. I had the influence of the palace. But now I'm 80 years old. I've been gone for 40 years. I got no influence. And God tells him, I'm calling you for more. I'm calling you for more. See, God needed to make a change in Moses. You see, God was looking for somebody that would shepherd his people for another 40 years in the desert. And when Moses, uh, uh, his first 40 years in, in, in the palace, he did what? He led like an Egyptian. He led like a pharaoh. His leadership was the style of a pharaoh. How do we know that? Because when he saw uh, the injustice being done to the Hebrew person, what did he do? He acted like pharaoh and he killed the Egyptian. When he saw the injustice being done to the Hebrew man, he killed the Egyptian. Why? Where did he learn that from? The leadership of the pharaoh. So God did not want a pharaoh leading his people for 40 years in the desert. He wanted a shepherd. He wanted a pastor. So he sends him to Jethro to be mentored again, to change his leadership again, and give him not the heart of a pharaoh, but the heart of a shepherd. Because he needed somebody to shepherd his people for the next 40 years. Maybe you're in a season in your life where you feel like, I got the passion. There's something that's, that's in my heart, but the Lord hasn't opened the door yet. It's probably because he's doing something within us. It's probably because he's changing something within us. It's probably because he's working something out within us. And at the right time, we will have the burning bush experience that will ratify the very thing that is in our heart already. And the church says, Right, so from there, the Lord calls Moses for more, Moses for more. And I love that God calls him by name two times, Moses, Moses. When you do your hermeneutics here, you, and you look throughout the Bible, and everybody who God calls by name two times, he was getting ready to elevate them into something else. He was teaching them something else. Whenever he called somebody uh, by name two times, it was because there was urgency, and God was doing something in them. Remember Samuel as a boy? God calls his name two times. Samuel, Samuel. He did it three times, but he calls his name two times. Samuel, Samuel. Do, do you remember when, when, when God was doing something in Simon? Causes, when Jesus was doing something in Simon, he, he calls his name two times. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to shred you as we, but I pray to the Father that your faith would not fail. Let him know there, there's increase happening right now in your life. You need to be ready. When Jesus is, is, is at the house and he's dealing with the sisters of Mary and Martha, and Martha's doing all the work, and, and she complains to Jesus and says, hey, how about my sister? He says, Martha, Martha, your sister has chosen the best thing. He was teaching her something. When God calls Jacob and wakes him up from a vision and shows him that he is the God of his father, um, and he was calling him to something new in the desert, he wakes him up in a vision and says, Jacob, Jacob, I am the God of your father, and I am with you. And that's when Jacob saw the ladder touching heaven and touching earth and angels ascending and descending and God was letting him know, I am going with you. Whenever God calls us by name two times, it's because there's urgency and he's doing something in us. Do you hear the Lord calling you by name two times in this season of your life? Do you hear God stirring something up in you over and over and over and over again? There is urgency and God wants to bring increase to our lives. And the church says, God is calling us for more. He's calling us for more. 
that I want to share with you today. Four points. Four things that we can learn or be reminded of. There's something that must accompany our call. It's not just about God calling us, let's go. There's something that must accompany the call of God upon our lives. There's something that must accompany the call of God upon our life because there are many that are called. There are many that are called. And unfortunately, few are chosen. Why? Why? Because there's something that must accompany our call. And when we look at the life of Moses, there's four things I want to show you that I believe should accompany our call. And the church says, the first one is, the call of God is accompanied by holiness. Is accompanied by holiness. Verse 5, God tells them, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. God was speaking to Moses through the burning bush, and God was letting him know, my presence demands holiness. My presence demands humility. God was reminding Moses that this was no small encounter that he was before the mighty and holy God. And he was entering into the presence of God, and the presence of God and the will of God demands change. For that reason, take off your shoes. It demands change. This land is holy. It's a representation of the whole book of Exodus that talks about God being holy. And for that reason, we must be holy. Be holy, for I am holy. God's call demands holiness. And the church says, it doesn't demand perfection. It doesn't demand perfection, but it does demand holiness. It does demand consecration. It does demand separation. Many are called, a few are chosen. You know why? Because they're not, they're not ready to give up some of the things that their heart yearns for. And because of that, they, they, they miss out on the greater things that God wants to do. A.W. A. Towser, he says, uh, we're not ready sometimes to give up the treasures of our hearts, the things we long for, right? But God's call demands holiness, not perfection, but holiness. It does demand separation. It does demand to be different. It does demand, to, it does demand a, a, a lifestyle that reflects the image of Jesus. And, you know, a lot of times we put all the big sins, oh, adultery and murder, and stealing, and we, you know, we feel good because we're not adulterous people. And we feel good because we haven't killed nobody. Right? And we, so we, so we kind of line ourselves up and we're like, okay, you know, we're not doing too bad. But I love, I love what the Apostle Paul says about the call of God. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, he says this, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the call you have received. And I underlined it on the PowerPoint. Worthy of the call you have received. To live a life worthy of the call you have received. Well, what does that look like? Ephesians chapter, two, Ephesians chapter 1, the next two verses, 2 and 3, tell us what it looks like. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. Making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. God's call has everything to do with the way we treat others. Everything. I mean, what good is it for me to come up here and preach a, a thousand sermons and not be nice to my wife? 
and not be nice to my daughters or not be nice to you or not be nice to the person that I encountered at 7-Eleven this morning. I mean, what, what good would it be? What, what, what good? Am I ratifying the call of God in my life because I preached the sermon? Or am I ratifying the call in my life because we're doing our best to show kindness to others? Could it be that many are gifted people, but yet their gifting has not been enough to, to bring them to the next level because they haven't been able to manage relationships well? Could it be because many are gifted, many have talent, and could it be that those who have not been so gifted, God is just catapulting them to different levels, and why? Because they have submitted their lives to his will. So I want to encourage you here today. Maybe you feel like, man, I don't have the gifting that so-and-so has, and the gifting that so-and-so is not your gifting that will take you to the next level, but how you submit to God's will for your life. That's what takes us to the things that, that God has for us. And it's a reminder to us what makes us worthy of this call is first the grace of God and second how we live this life out. I love that Peter says, uh, but just as you who are called, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. The Apostle Peter writes that in 1 Peter chapter 1. He says, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. I want to encourage you. Do you believe that God is calling you for more? Do you really believe that God is doing something special in your life in this time? I want to encourage you to embrace a life of consecration and, and submission and humility and seeking the bond of peace and, and trying your best to live a life that reflects the image of Jesus. God's call always has to do with people, right? God's call has to do with people. He calls people. We, we have made it about ourselves, how, how good we look, how good we speak, how good we sing, how much we give, how much we serve. But God's call has everything to do with not how good we are, but understand that our call is for people. So holiness is seen by the way we treat others. And the church says, so what, what, what accompanies our call? Holiness. Take off your sandals, for this ground is sacred ground. In other words, there must be change. And the church says, number two, what accompanies our call? The call of God is accompanied by a need, by a need. Verse 7, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I am concerned about their suffering. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. God was telling Moses, I've seen the need of my people. And that's why I'm, I'm calling you to this meeting. I've seen the needs of my people, and that's why I've called you to this meeting. And I love that the word there, I am concerned in its original language. It, it, it expresses a tenderness and compassion and feeling. God is saying, uh, you know, I, I feel the need of my people. I feel the need of my people. It has to do with tenderness and compassion. They've been in bondage for 400 years, God is saying, and I've heard their cry, and I've seen their, mi their misery, and I am concerned. I feel for them, is what he's saying. God's greatest compassion is for his people. 
the Bible says the Lord is slow uh, in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness, why he doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Why his compassion is for people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Why his compassion is for the need of people. First Timothy 2.4 says, well, who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth? God wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Of the truth. And when God calls, He calls us why? Because of need. God calls us, God's call upon our life is based on need. The need uh, is the broken and state loss of humanity who God loves and He wants to reach and He wants to use the church. He wants to use you and He wants to use me for uh, the need that's in the heart of God. Today and age, sometimes we see that people just, uh, they, there's a lot of attention on them as individuals, as maybe uh, faces of ministries. There's a lot of attention on them. I hope and pray that we would always put our attention on Jesus. Uh, pastors come and go. Leaders come and go. But God's will continues forward. And, and, uh, and our focus is on what? On the call of God. And the call of God is based on what? On the need of humanity. So maybe you feel something stirring up in your heart that you feel like, man, God is doing something. He started first in the need in you. He started first in the need in you. He started first in the need of me. And then, and then after that, he let us know, hey, as I've done the good work in you, I want to use you to do the good work in someone else. And every call in our life is based upon him. Why? God operates through the church, through people, to fulfill the need of humanity. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 14, a few verses for us on the screen. And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? In other words, he uses the church. Ephesians 3.10, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be known. He uses the church. Matthew 28, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, Speaking to the church, go and make disciples of all nations. God's call is based upon need. I love that the Apostle Paul says that God, that Christ has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That you and I have been entrusted this great ministry. I love that in 2 Corinthians it says that it is like he is making his appeal through us. I don't know if that resonates with you, but it resonates deeply with me that the divine, all-powerful, almighty, omnipresent God, he wants to use little old me to be his ambassador that stirs my heart up. He wants to use little old me to reach the need of someone else. That stirs my heart up. If you're here today and you feel that God is calling you for more, it should stir our hearts to think that God is calling us to reach the needs of his people. And that is a great call upon the lives of each and every one of us. It should stir us up to think, wow, that God is interested in me, knowing my frailties, my weaknesses, my vulnerabilities, uh, my lack of gifting. He wants to use me to reach the need of his people. If you feel that God is calling you for more, it's not for glamour, but it's to reach the needs of his people.
And as we reach the needs of his people, God gives us, God gives us platforms that we never thought we would have, that we never thought that we would well, be able to experience. He gives us these platforms. Why? Because uh, he recognizes his people and he uses us according to his will. And um, when we've been faithful with the little, he gives us a little bit more. Do you feel God calling you for something? He's calling you to reach the needs of his people. And the church says, what must accompany the call? What must accompany the call? I've said four, we said four things today. We'll be speaking of four things. The first one is holiness. The second one is the need of, the need. Number three, the call of God is accompanied by our frailty. By our frailty. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh, verse 10, to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt, verse 11. But God said, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Now, I love this part. When Moses says, who am I? I'm 80 years old now. I don't have the influence I had 40 years ago. I don't have the energy and the strength I had 40 years ago. Uh, I don't have the friends that I had 40 years ago. I'm, I'm a shepherd now. I'm a, I'm a pastor of sheep. I don't even have my own land. Who am I that you would send me to Egypt, to Pharaoh's house, to liberate the Hebrew people from Egypt? Who am I? Uh, these are the people that God likes to use. People who truly feel that they are unfit for the job. That's who God likes to use. Maybe you feel like, oh, I'm not, I don't got it. You're perfect for the work of God. Maybe you feel like, man, I don't have the gifting that so-and-so has. And so-and-so, man, you're, you're the one that God wants to use. I love 1 Corinthians chapter 26. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 and on. Uh, it says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. What were you when you were called? Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong so that no one may boast before him. I love that verse. If God is using you, it, it, it's, it's probably because uh, you have little wisdom of yourself. If God is using you, it's because you probably have little influence. Uh, you're not of noble birth. Uh, you probably were foolish. Um, you probably were weak. Uh, and, and, and God chose you. And in your weakness, the Bible says he became strong. And God shows you. So when he uses you, you cannot boast. You cannot boast because God chose the weak and the vulnerable and he puts his mighty power and his wisdom and his authority and his spiritual gifting in them to use them for greater and mighty things. This should encourage us all because it qualifies everybody. It qualifies everybody for the call of God upon their lives. And when we look at the pattern of Scripture, the type of people that God called, there were people that needed to be qualified by God. When we look at the call of God, when God calls Jeremiah, Jeremiah responds and says, me? I'm too young for this job. 
When he calls Moses, Moses says, me? I, I, I stutter. I, I'm not good for this job. When he calls Amos, Amos says, there's no one in my house who's been a prophet. I can't be the next prophet. When he calls Peter, Peter says, man, apart from me, I'm a sinful man. And that qualified him. And Jesus said, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. When God calls Isaiah, Isaiah says, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. In other words, I, <laughs> I am not worthy of this. When God calls David, his father did not even see the, in, the, the potential that lived within him. And God anointed him to be king of Israel. I want to let you know that God uses frail people. People that of their own don't have it. He uses those type of people so that no one can boast before him. You're feeling the tongue, you're tugging of God in your life and you feel like, man, I'm, I'm not good enough. You're, you're perfect for what God wants to do in you and through you. Uh, you're perfect. You know, how do you feel? You feel scared? You feel nervous? You're perfect for what God wants to do uh, in your life. You are the perfect candidate for the work of God. I read somewhere once, the first impression of a fit man selected for a high post generally is, who am I? Who am I? This is the right response. No one is qualified for the work of God. I love 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul is talking about the call of God upon the people. And he finishes that chapter, verse 16, with these words. Who is equal to such a task? Who is equal to such a task? Who is worthy of such a call? Why? Because the call of God is accompanied by frailty. That's, that's what we have come to understand and learn. The Bible lets us know this, that God is looking for people who say, I am not qualified. I am not worthy. Who am I that you would call me to such a task like this? If you knew our story, you would say, oh, man, we didn't qualify. We if you knew the story of many, I love that Pastor George came up here. He said, 20 years ago, I was on a street corner. No one wanted me. The Lord was interested in him. Right? Each of you have your story, right? Of our insecurities, of our brokenness, of our betrayals, right? Of our abuses. And, and we think that we're not worthy. And God says, man, it's in your frailty that I call you. And when I use you for my glory and my honor, you won't be able to take the credit, but you'll have to say, oh, Jesus did it all. He did it all. And the church says, so when God calls us for more, what must accompany our call? Because many are called if you're chosen. What must accompany our call? Well, holiness. The church must be different than the world. We, if we're looking like the world, we're doing something wrong. If we're trying to impress the world, we're doing something wrong. If we're trying to be so relevant to the world, we're doing something wrong. The job of the church is to change the world, not the world change the church. What must accompany the call holiness? What must accompany the call need? It, it, it's God commissioned, not man orchestrated. 
It's need that accompanies the call. It's the very thing that's in the heart of God for the salvation of the broken that accompanies the call. What accompanies the call? Frailty. Who am I that you would send me? I'm not worthy of this. That must accompany the call. And our last point this morning, number four. Four. When God calls us for more, the call of God is accompanied by the power and presence of God. Verse 12, and God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship the God in this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your father has sent me to you. And they asked, what is his name? Then what should I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. Tell them, I am who I am has sent you. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God was telling Moses, you don't qualify. That's why I'm going with you. I love that he said, I, I will be with you. God's presence and God's power will go with us. I love that God tells Moses, don't let your heart be troubled, is what he's telling him. I am going with you. You don't qualify. That's why I'm going with you. You're, you're just one man. That's why I'm going with you. I will be with you. And I love when we study the, the, the meaning of God's name, I am. It's the full name of God. God was saying, uh, I am who I am. My nature cannot be declared in words. My nature cannot be conceived in a human thought. Like me, there is nothing else. I am who I am. God was saying the best way to describe him was just whatever you need me to be, that is what I am. Whatever you need me to be. And that's why when they needed a mighty warrior to fight the Egyptians for them, I am fought that war for them. And when they needed the power of God to divide the sea, I am divided the seed for them. When they needed manna from heaven, the I am the provider uh, supplied manna from heaven. When they needed water, that I am supplied water for them. When they needed a cloud by day and a fire by night to lead them, that I am. God was letting them know whatever my people need, I will be that for them. I am who I am will be with you as I call you for the next. As I call you for the next. Today, as, as I close up our teaching, today we have Jesus, and he is the great I am. When you read the book of John, you see him seven times making the, de de the declarations I am. But I love John chapter 8, verse 56 through 58, where uh, Jesus has this dialogue with the Pharisees, and he says to them, your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. So Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and he tells them this. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. The Pharisees say to him, you're not even 50 years old. You have seen Abraham? He tells them, I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was, I am. I love it. 
He was letting them know. Listen, and they knew what he was saying. He was letting them know, you need a provider. You need a savior. You need a deliverer. You need a Messiah. I am. I am. He is who we need. His presence and his power accompanies us today. And the presence of Jesus, the great I am, is still with us today. I want to encourage you. You might feel unfit for the job, but you know who goes with you? The great I am. He goes with you. His power goes with you. His presence goes with you. You have power to destroy the yoke of the enemy because Jesus is with you. You have power to overcome the world because Christ is with you. He is the great I am. Maybe you're battling in your life today. I encourage you with this. The great I am will go with you, go with you. I'm, I'm finishing. Uh, years ago, some of you know the story. I, I won't get into the whole story, but uh, our church, we were in construction, and I was in a place. I said, Lord, we're short on money. We were building the gym. We were short $42,000. I always remember, and I shared this story on a few occasions, and I used to say, God, our church has always done well, and under my leadership, I'm feeling this financial pressure, and I'm scared. Have I bitten more than I can chew? And it was one of those prayers where we're just scared. Uh, Pastor Becky and I had only been pastoring about a year and a half. We were still young. I said, have I been too aggressive? And, um, and it was one of those prayers. And I won't tell you the whole story. But in a matter of seven days, in a matter of, a week and a half, I want to say, the Lord gave us $42,400. And that second Sunday, there was a check of $27,000 in the offering plate. I've never heard the voice of God. I've never seen angels. I've never been woken up in the middle of the night by the shaking of my bed. None of those things have ever happened to me. I'm not real mystical. Um, that Monday morning praying at this altar, I said, Lord, I'm just, I was crying, but it was a different emotion in my crying. And the Lord put this in my heart. Your job is faithfulness, and my job is to provide. The Lord put that in my heart. Your job is faithfulness, and my job is to provide. Faithful to the call. Faithful to whatever I put in your heart. My presence and my power will accompany you. I want to let you know here today. Our job is faithfulness to the call. Many are called, but few are chosen. Why? Why? Because some, some things must accompany the call. God's call is not to be undervalued and it's not to be taken lightly. It's serious business and it comes from the Lord. And it's not about gifting, and it's not about credentials, and it's not about titles. No, no. It has to do about, uh, with regard to need and the heart of God for humanity. And it must not be taken lightly. Could it be that reason why so many are called, but only few are chosen? Can I encourage you today what must accompany your call? His holiness. There's got to be a difference. 
what must accompany your calls, know that there's a need. It's not about you or me or our gifting. It's about a need. What must accompany a call is, is this concept of frailty. It's, I'm undeserved. We're undeserved. God uses people who realize, man, I don't have a lot of myself. And what must accompany our call is God's presence and God's power, the great I am. And then we can respond to the very thing that God is stirring in our hearts. And the church says, would you stand with me this morning? I opened up the teaching talking about God calling Moses by name two times. Moses, Moses. In the intro, I shared with you that God called others by name two times, letting them know urgency and, and call and next level. And I'm about to do something new in you. And he, he calls our name, to do, name two times. Do you hear him calling you now over and over and over and over and, and he's calling you for the next man he's calling you for more he wants more of you more of your family more of the next thing he, he's challenged you to respond to this call and as you respond you will see God's glory in your life God's will God's commissioning fulfilled within you because when God calls if we respond, we get to see the glory of the Lord. We get to see the glory of the Lord. And the church says, amen. As we sing this next song and we close our in prayer, if you are here and you would like prayer and you believe the Lord is talking to you, you may join us at the altar. We want to pray with you today. If you don't know Jesus, don't leave this place the same. Today is the day of salvation. Come and receive him as your personal savior and your life will be changed forever. Father, we thank you for the teaching of your word. I pray that it would, it would land deep in our hearts and draw us closer to you. Help us to respond to your word in a way, Lord God, that will change our lives forever as we pray that our Sunday would change our Monday. We pray in Jesus' name and the church says, amen. If you would like prayer, the altar is open.